0: Good evening. Welcome. We're going to talk about opinions. We are not our opinions. And our opinions are not about what we say they're about. They're about glimpses of somethings. And we make models of those somethings based on our glimpses. And those somethings are almost always hyperobjects. Our opinions are about hyperobjects. And our opinions keep changing involuntarily, automatically, and we keep saying them out loud, but we are not our opinions. They told me, do more news, do more news. And I said, maybe, like, opinions and hyperobjects? I don't listen. I don't listen. This is Retrace, segment number 34. It's Saturday, October 29th, 2022, at 11 p.m. on the dot, Eastern, 8 p.m. perspific. 8 p.m. perspific, it's Retrace. Retrace is about what's going on out there. So there's this guy i 'm getting lunch, and there's a guy. <laughs> the guy who's serving us is fast foodish you know sandwich sandwich counter kind of thing, and the guy making the sandwiches is working by himself and this is today, and customers are kind of lined up, no big deal, uh, longer wait than usual, but the customer being served says, "Oh you know so do you always have to work alone and the guy behind the counter says, "We only have two employees, you know. So it, this is t- this tends to happen. We have kind of a couple of part part time employees, but you know, really only two serious employees." Oh, okay. And then the next customer in line starts talking about his problems getting employees. He needs machinists. He works at a local company with global interconnection to the to to the it sounded well. Look, I, I don't. I haven't studied his company, but um, let's say you know it's part of the interconnected web of high end manufacturing. And he can't get machinists. And he's talking about how the the base pay is so good and the benefits are so good, and they teach you everything. You don't need to go to trade school before you get in. It's not like it used to be. And he can't get he can't get people. And he doesn't go into why, but obviously that's a blue and red politics thing. You could definitely interpret that problem as being either caused by political decisions and, and policies and legislation or, um, you know, something causing the legislation. The, the reasoning about causes is difficult there. Um, but, but then he mentions how he, he's backed up. Uh, he's behind on orders, millions of dollars worth of orders, because he can't, he can't get people to make the parts, and the parts um, are necessary for all these cascading dependencies in in various industries. And and, he, and then he points out that the – and I'm pretty sure he was talking about the Chips and Science Act, this recent uh, legislation that was passed to stimulate um, U.S. domestic production of um, semiconductors and, and to do other things. I don't really know the, the legislation in detail. Um, but he said, you know it didn 't make sense like this money is going to these other companies and creating a perverse incentive for them to do things that we already know how to do, but now they can 't resist the money because of where it 's going, and that's that's that 's contributing to the gumming up of his of his you know the supply chain of which he is a part and now, I had a vague sense of the chips act and what its intended purpose was, so i I said, and he kept looking at me <laughs> this guy I think he I think he considered me a threat. You know, like, you know how when someone's, like, talking to one person and they kind of give you a glimpse, like, to check in on you? I was behind them, but I was within his peripheral. And he didn't just give me a glimpse. Like, Like, this guy looked at me, like, six times like this. You ready? Blah, 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah. Okay? Like, looking at me like, he doesn't realize he's doing this. This this this, He's not self-aware enough to know that he's so he knew i was coming but like he didn't know what to expect i don't think um he just knew i think he just knew that i was paying careful attention and that i might attack you know this is this is what i say at the top we are not our opinions we i, I don't remember who put this idea in my head but it's such a good one I, I tried to think of the source but i can't think of it i'll think i'll find it eventually um we we shouldn't think of ourselves as our opinions. And when we do, and we do so automatically, we get upset when someone doesn't agree with us because it's like they don't agree with who we are. I think this, well, that's wrong. And actually, if you look at it carefully, it's kind of stupid that it's, that it's not just wrong. It's kind of dumb that you even thought that. What? Get away from me. That's not nice. F you. No, they, they, you can attack... Are you, obviously, when we're young, we all hold dumb opinions. And as we get older, we hopefully discharge as many of them as possible and take on better ones or form our own that are better. But it's automatic for us to identify with our opinions. He's doing this. This guy is, you know, outspoken. He's, he's a bit of a... I don't want to say firecracker, but he's intense. He's intense. Everybody knew he was intense. And so, so he's got these opinions and he sees me coming. But I I don't want to make it sound like I'm all bearing down. I'm like, keep talking. Keep, keep, give me the rope to hang you and I will do it. With my, (laughs) with my sweatshirt on. (laughs) My sweatshirt had the name of a, a university on it. A university I did not attend. But that might have been, and my hat also had the university. It's Saturday, okay? College football, get away from me. So, so he keeps giving me the side glance. He knows I'm coming. And after he's sort of made his point a couple of times and everyone's sort of nodding and sort of backing off on the intensity of him because they don't want to, you know, he might get really riled up. I said, well, what about – and, and I I said, what about TSMC and, and if China invades Taiwan, you know, and, and ruins TSMC? I said, what about that? And I didn't, I didn't say that to a person who w- wouldn't know what I was talking about. Like I was not trying to drop – you know, the name of a random Asian company. It's not a random Asian company, but, you know, and then, like, the China-Taiwan thing. I was not doing this to a person who would not... I I thought he would, for sure, have some sense of that, what was going on over there. Um, I said, what if China invades Taiwan and ruins TSMC? Isn't that what this money is supposed to... Isn't that part, at least the major part of what this money is supposed to mitigate the risk of that, you know, gumming up our, our whole... You know, breaking our whole semiconductor dependency, uh, industry or industries, various industries of dependency on semiconductors. And, you know, we, we went back and forth, but he didn't really have an answer to that. He, he's, you know, he said he did a lot of like made in America stuff. And, you know, you never say that Americans never say that we can't do something. And I was, I was all about that. I totally agree with that. And he, he mentioned, I said, you know, he said other companies, and, uh, and or or I think he said Germany, and I said Germany. Which company? Because I really, I genuinely was not aware of any solution to the TSMC thing, um, other than future solutions, right? And I didn't remember hearing anything about Germany. And, and then I said, which company in Germany? He said German German manufacturing. So he just meant like the general idea that the Germans could step it up, and you know, okay, um, you know, there's there's Samsung, there's Intel, which I think is falling distant third. Um, there isn't really a good solution to TSMC right now. T- uh, uh, Taiwan's Semiconductor Manufacturing Corporation, they're the best in the world at what they do, which is the most important chips that everybody depends on. Not on- not the only chips, but the most important and most difficult to make. That's TSMC. They're the only one. There's a huge you know, dependency on them. Um, okay. It worked out fine. We didn't have an argument. I didn't go after him. He didn't go after me. But he did start getting in my face a little bit when he realized like, I wasn't accepting what he was saying out of hand like i was agreeing with the parts that were not disagreeable but um but i i you know i wasn't gonna let him just say that the solution to tsmc is german manufacturing like the abstract german manufacturing but it was you know it was cordial it's fine uh, it could have gone the other way like the guy was intense you know some people they get really intense when you when you challenge their opinions um and i hate to admit this but i really part of the reason i engaged him is because i saw like a little hint of myself just just a little bit where it's like Man, you really, you really have a strong opinion about this, and you're putting it on me, and I'm just sort of having a beer like that. I do that to people. I know I've done that to people. Hopefully, it, I've never been as 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 bad as I imagined. But but that's part of what I why I engaged him. I saw myself in him, and um, and that's it. That's the end of that story. You know, we continued and every, and ended. Quarter, we both said hey, it was a good conversation. You know, it's great. Nice meeting you. Okay. Opinions. He's got opinions. He's got opinions about all this stuff. I've got opinions, too. What are they about? Well, they're about manufacturing. U.S. manufacturing and TSMC and the global supply chain and what's going to happen with China and Taiwan and what we should do about it and politics and legislation. And No. No. Our opinions are not about what we say they're about they're about glimpses of somethings. What somethings? What somethings? Hyper objects. Got it? It's just a hyper object. You thought it was about German manufacturing. But you, you, you're, you no, you just forgot about that it could be a hyper object. What is a hyper object? Timothy Morton. Professor of philosophy? No, professor of English who writes philosophy books, environmentalist oriented philosophy books um, at Rice University in Texas. Timothy Morton has written two books that coin and then develop this idea of a hyperobject. Um, and I have not read the books, but I've read the parts that try to define the word hyperobject because I love this idea. I love that term. It's so useful. It's basically, so he gives two definitions. One in the first book, which is called what? the The ecological thought. And the second one is Uh, called hyperobjects. He he clearly struck a nerve, and so he made a whole book out of it. So the first definition he gives of a hyperobject is, um, he gives examples, like products such as styrofoam and plutonium that exist on almost unthinkable timescales. Like the strange stranger, I don't know what he means by that, but I can imagine. Like the strange stranger, these materials confound our limited, fixated, self-oriented frameworks. Okay, that's a bit squishy. The better one is in the second book, Things that are massively distributed in time and space relative to humans. That's a hyper-object. I'm running with that one. He wrote a whole book about it. I read some of it. I'm not feeling the squishiness of it, but this guy's clearly doing serious work on a novel idea. I appreciate that. It's not my philosophical style. I'm more of a Cambridge, you know... Linguistic philosophy, can't, uh, Oxford, Cambridge, Oxbridge versus Continental. But I love; there are good Continental philosophers, and he, you know, and he's existent, not existentialism, but uh, well, I, like I think it all comes from this thing that I've just discovered on this basis, which is this object-oriented philosophy. You've heard of object-oriented programming, presumably, if you know anything about code. If you haven't, you know, as soon as you learn some code, you'll learn about object-oriented programming. Well, there's ob- object-oriented philosophy as well, um, which is Interesting, but I don't know anything more than what I read in Wikipedia. Anyway, I think that's where this all comes from. Hyper objects, things that are massively distributed in time and space relative to humans. That's everything. That's everything. Isn't it? I have in my hand a mouse. Not a dead mouse, it's like a computer mouse. This thing is massively distributed in time. Is it massively distributed in space? Where was it manufactured? Let's say it's, and this one would be, I mean, we bought it probably 10 years ago. So let's say it was made 12 years ago. That's the distribution in time. It goes back that far. It's probably going to outlive me. This thing is not going to get melted down or otherwise affected by the environment in such a way. It's plastic, he says here. Does he list plastic? I think elsewhere he lists plastic, but I didn't quote him talking about plastic. Plastic, see, I think he says says it in the second one, in the second book. He says plastics, you know, all the plastic ever made is a hyperobject. This mouse is part of that. What isn't? I'm looking at the things in my studio here. I think I'm surrounded by hyperobjects. But aren't I a hyperobject? What am I made of? I am made of atoms. I am made of atoms, some of which are in the form of molecules, most of which are in the form of molecules. Those are hyperobjects, massively di- distributed in time and space. Well, is, is a single atom in my finger massively distributed in space? Oh jeez. you know, my producer-slash-owner-slash-chief-financial-officer said... I, I asked her today, what, what should I do tonight on the show? What would you like to hear more of? She said, the news. And here I am talking about molecules in my finger as hyperobjects. Sorry. Sorry, I don't listen. I, I'm listening, but I'm not listening well enough. The molecule in my finger is not massively distributed in space, unless you get into some weird physics theories, in which case it might be, and we just can't tell because of dimensionality or whatever. But aren't all molecules, aren't, aren't all atoms weirdly clones of each other. They're not clones in, in time and space, but in terms of their essence, their definition, maybe they're hyper object objects too. Is, if everything's a hyperobject, and we're having opinions about hyperobjects, and I'm asserting that, he doesn't say that opinions are a hyperobject. What's an opinion? If everything can, can at least make a, a legitimate claim to being a hyper object, and I, I realize you don't accept that, but I kind of feel like that might be true, or everything might be part of a hyper object. Like, this mouse is not by itself a hyperobject, but it's part of the plastics hyperobject. Okay? And I'm part of the human hyperobject. This is so abstract. Maybe I should just go read The Hollywood Reporter. Should I stop? Hyperobjects or Hollywood Reporter? Hyperobjects, Hollywood... No, I'm going to keep going. What is an opinion? Charlie Munger, who's basically Warren Buffett's lawyer, he's like his partner. I mean, he's not just his lawyer. Like they're they're peers at that at, at Berkshire Hathaway. Charlie Munger has a great little uh paragraph from a commencement address that he gave about opinions and ideology. Would you like me to read it to you? Yes, you would. No, this is important, okay? He says this, "I have what I call an iron prescription that helps me keep sane when I drift toward preferring one intense ideology over another." I feel that I'm not entitled to have an opinion. Talking about opinions, I'm not entitled to have an opinion unless I can state the arguments against my position better than the people who are in opposition. Really, really, dude, you no? Think, go back to what he said in the beginning. Intense opinion. It don't, this only applies when he starts drifting toward an intense ideology, and then he seems to seamlessly, you know, equate uh, ide- ideology and opinion. Okay, which you don't necessarily have to do you know, the sliding definition is not necessarily a good move, but we'll, we'll accept it. Okay. So he's saying intense ideology, intense opinion. He, 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 he switches into a mode. He says, I am not qualified. He tells himself, I'm not qualified to speak or I, 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 yeah, I'm not, uh, what I remember that's all wrong. I'm not entitled to have an intense, not entitled to have an opinion unless I can state the arguments against my position better than the people who are in opposition. I don't think, I mean, that's a nice, um, ideal for it to be anti-ideological but um you, that's in practice you're not doing that you're not doing that this is a commencement address you're being impressive you're not really doing that when you go home at night i think that i am qualified to speak only when i have reached that state and then he takes the lotus position this sounds almost as extreme as the iron prescription of dean atchison uh, iron prescription that dean atchison was fond of attributing to william the silent of orange you know william the silent of Orange? Really? You don't know who that is? Yeah, me either. Uh, who roughly said, it's not necessary to hope in order to persevere. It's not necessary to hope in order to persevere. Sounds like wartime advice to me. Continuing, that probably is too tough for most people, although I hope it won't ever become too tough for me. My way of avoiding over-intensity in ideology is easier than Atchison's injunction and worth learning. This business of not drifting into extreme ideology is very, very important in life. If you want to end up wise, heavy ideology is very likely to prevent that outcome. That's Charlie Munger on his Munger's Razor. Do Can you state the position of your opponents in a matter of opinion, of opinion better than they can state their own opinion? Quite a standard but worth keeping in mind. What about these opinions? He doesn't say anything about quantity. How many opinions do you have? Do you have one for each hyperobject? Do you have more than one about your hyperobjects? Do you even remember what the heck a hyperobject is? It's only been 19 minutes since I... Walter Lippmann, public intellectual and newsman from the early 20th century, wrote a fantastic book called Liberty and the News. And he says this about the world. Maybe he meant hyperobjects. He says this about the world and opinions. In 1920, 102 years ago, he probably wrote it 104 years ago or 103 years ago. It was published 102 years ago. The following. The world about about which each man is supposed to have opinions has become so complicated as to defy his powers of understanding. What he knows of events that matter enormously to him, the purposes of government, the aspirations of peoples, the struggles of classes, he knows at second, third, or or fourth hand. He cannot go and see for himself. Even the things that are near to him have become too involved for his judgment. I know of no man... Even among those who devote all of their time to watching public affairs, who can even pretend to keep track at the same time of his city government, his state government, Congress, the departments, the industrial situation, and the rest of the world. And he goes on. And he says later, any lawyer with a sense of evidence knows how unreliable such information must must necessarily be. These second, third, and fourth hand accounts and the whole book is filled with, basically, that idea and its consequences. Liberty in the news, highly recommended. The world has become too much for these opinions. We, we are in touch with too many hyper-objects. And if you want to know what kind of in touch we are, go to retrace33. The one where I talk about information, maybe that's 32. Um, and especially Stuart Russell's explanation in the footnote of what information is. We've become too in touch with all these hyperobjects for us to have opinions that aren't garbage, that, that, that even approach Charlie Munger's standard of can we state the – I mean, do, does anybody even attempt? They just, they just straw man the other side. Blue and red politics. Pick your political party. What's your political party? Or your, or your you know, commentator on current events. It's, is it me? Oh, I'm so flattered. That's so nice of you. I like being a commentator on current events. Well, setting aside me, I think I'm an exception to this rule. I'd like to be an exception to this rule. I wouldn't be talking about it if I didn't think I were an exception to this rule. Your other commentators, the ones I replaced, your other sources of analysis, the ones I replaced, what do they do? Do uh, Do they state the opinions of their opponents before they state their own? Do they state them better than the opponents? No. Now, I'm not saying I do that either, but man, I'm like uh, uh, probably closer, hopefully closer to the the monger standard. All right, enough. That's it. Opinions, hyperobjects. Think about it. I don't have a model, but this is we we have to talk about this and make sense of it. And no one else is going to do it, so I'm doing it. This is important. I am going to find who said that the identifying. I thought it was in very short introduction to ideology, but I don't think it's in there. That's also a great book. Okay. Uh, references will be in the show notes. The show notes are always the PDF notes. We only put just chapters and a few essential things. You can click through in the RSS feed, click the thing, the, the link that says, um, you know, that ends with the re-34 or whatever, and that'll take you to a page that'll get you to the show notes, the PDF notes. Um, this is retrace segment number 34. Amendments and corrections. I've got some, but I'm going to I'm gonna save them for a specific episode. I've got a few. I've, you know that thing that I did, the, where I said, somebody said this, the last episode, I think it was the last segment, I said, somebody said that, you know, there's nothing you can do about it, why bother, I found it, I found it immediately, I found it with like half, within half an hour of, of, of going off mic, I found it. it, it took some digging, I'll talk about it later. Um, this is retrace segment number 34, next one's tomorrow, 11pm, Eastern, 8 Pacific, we go from 11, and, here's our writer, if you've listened this far, Something's resonating with you. Do something. Stop the autoplay. Don't just go to the next thing, even if it's me. I mean, I know you're going to. But don't just listen. Do. Do something. There's something that you know you should do. Oh, I shouldn't say should. Oh, there's so many things I should do that I don't do. All right. Enough. Signing off.